Well, welcome to Talk It Out, the show where we ask some questions and talk about the weekend message. Uh, my name's Chase. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by Jeff Taylor. Jeff Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to point your cup if you're watching. His name's on his cup. If you're not watching, well, you heard his name. <laughs> so we're in uh, Philippians and looking at Philippians chapter two. It's a goodie. And uh, obviously there's kind of this central theme that we keep running into throughout probably this whole series, of course, but really this idea of serving others. And I think we talked about this past weekend, how, like, how we do that and what that looks like. So something that Josiah said that he, he kind of honed in on was this idea of living a grateful life over a complaining life. Mm-hmm. And so let's get us kicked off here. I'm going to ask you, not what you're grateful for. Nope. Oh. Nope. The other way, <laughs> when when's the last time you complained about something that you can remember? Probably yesterday. Yeah? I'm um, probably this morning. Yeah, I mean, there's, it's usually my kids. Uh, <laughs> just parenting, you Those know. blessings that God yeah. gifted you with? No, you they're blessings, and I would never, ever, ever give them up for anything. But there's just those <laughs> moments where, you know, potty training, bedtime, that kind of stuff, it makes it really easy to be like, gosh, remember when I could just like do what I wanted? Mm-hmm. So probably yesterday. Yep. I I have that thought a lot. If, I'm, <laughs> if, if we were allowed to be honest here, you know, yeah. love those kiddos. But I, I think what I think about is how many things I would have done differently pre-kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not like to prepare for kids, but just to like prepare for life yep. and you know, I can't go back now, but one of my mottos this year is it's never too late to start. So whatever it is, just just give it a start, you know? But yeah. I think internally, I complained about being tired this morning and like my shoulders hurting, dealing with this weird shoulder pain. So it feels good throughout the day when I'm moving it. But yeah. as soon as I like try to lay down, it like stiffens up and it's, yeah. it's no fun. I get and that then, too. Maybe it's just being in your 30s. Probably. We're I'll, so old now. I'll wake up in the middle of the night. This is probably... My brother's a physical therapist. I should probably talk to him about it. Yeah. But like my shoulder hurts real bad mm-hmm. and I just move it up and I hear this pop noise. Does it feel better? And then it just After starts the feeling better. There you go. Just got to pop it. And it's like something's wrong. Maybe I'm dislocating it or something. Who knows? But that's that's probably my complaint. And you know, and it's funny, this verse, Philippians 2, verse 14, I'll read it. The version I, I usually read from says this, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in this world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. Super long couple verses there, I guess. But yeah, it, it's it's funny, this attitude of doing all things without grumbling or disputing. This is probably something that I struggle with a lot. I don't know if it's a negative spirit, if it's just literally just surface level grumbling, disputing, arguing, whatever it might be. But this sort of attitude of life, of living opposite of this, of being grateful, of seeing my responses to things as a way of showing the love of Christ, like it's kind of difficult. And I think sometimes I like to think, all the deep things, the important things, while I'm worshiping, I'm giving, I'm, you know, uh, praying and all, all these like almost private things too. Like those are really what count spiritually. Yeah. But I think what's funny is this verse is like, no, specifically in how you just deal with people, how you deal with yourself, how you deal with the way you are, you know, when you're in community, when you're in work, when you're just around people, like this is one of the greatest showings of Christ's love and one of the greatest ways of us checking in on ourselves. Yeah. And and saying, okay, well, am I doing everything without grumbling or disputing? And Jeff, as you think about that, let's talk about 
how practical that kind of seems? And does that bother you? Or is that kind of easy for you to, to accept? Like, yeah, like if that's the measurement, I'm not going to grumble. Or, you know, do you try to battle, I guess, against sort of yeah. the practicality of Paul's letter here? Mine is more, the thing I, I struggle with is getting my head straight around that topic. Mm. Cause there's times where without even thinking about it, I'll just start grumbling. <clears throat> and before I know it, my whole mood has shifted. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I have to remind myself is just to understand, like the thing I always tell myself is this is the work that I've just been given today. This mm. is the work of the day. And so the other day was a perfect example. The work of that day was I had to take a hundred frozen turkeys and figure out what freezers I could stick them in <laughs> because we're doing our box of hope for Thanksgiving. And so we're handing out turkeys, but we have the turkeys we need to keep them frozen. So I didn't really want to deal with a bunch of frozen turkeys and nope. all the stuff that comes with it and just the physical labor of it. But when I had the attitude of like, this is the work that I have to do today. Mm. And it kind of changes this mindset of like, this is what I've been given. And it puts me in this different space where I remember like, one of the things I love about my job is that I don't do the same thing every day, mm. that it changes up and kind of keeps me on my toes. And so Instead of doing the thing I did yesterday, today I'm putting turkeys in freezers. So let's talk about when you do that well, how does that inform the, for lack of better terms, maybe like how does that inform the deeper part of you? Like yeah. the, the identity piece, the, the inner man of you. Like how does that inform that when you're doing those things well? Yeah. I think we all get stuck in a place where we want everything to be awesome all the time. Mm. And whenever you accept the fact that everything's not going to be awesome all the time, then you can understand that in the times where things are, are not great mm -hmm. and you're doing something you don't want to do, that you can actually have joy in the middle of it. And so that's where it kind of, it helps me out a little bit because I'm understanding that like, it's pretty much what Josiah said. This is not all about me. Mm. It's not, all this stuff was not made to make sure that Jeff's having a good day. <laughs> but if I kind of lower myself and understand that I'm working for something, I'm moving towards a goal that even in the times where it's bad, I can still have joy and have a good day. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I think about Mark 10 when the disciples are arguing about, you know, Jesus, who's going to sit on your left and right? And, yeah. and what's interesting about this argument and then what Jesus tells them that we've probably heard, we know this idea of him saying, you know, you know, if you want to be first in the kingdom, then like serve everyone yeah. and be and be last. The first will be last, last will be first. But the context in which the disciples are bringing this up is in this context of kind of arguing against the Pharisees and really like the idea that they almost are tired of being lowly and being mm. thought of of less and being looked down upon. And so they're like, Jesus, like, yeah. who's going to get to sit on the throne next to you when we yeah. finally get up there and get to reign over everybody? And, yeah. and that's when Jesus says, like, to truly reign, to have authority in the kingdom means that you actually serve everybody. Yeah. You don't sit on the throne. And I always find that interesting when we talk about serving others and like what we're talking about here, just the attitude, the posture of what this looks like to do everything without arguing, grumbling, to be seen and to prove ourselves as blameless to others and, yeah. and, and blameless. Like we mess things up. Yes. But like to be proven to be a person of grace and love majority of the time. Yeah. This goes back to that. Like the idea and Josiah talked about it of who really is on the throne? Is yeah. it us? Is it Jesus? If it is Jesus, Jesus doesn't usually sit around on the throne all day. He's usually serving and we yeah. serve alongside of him. And, and that to me is such a, a good thing, I think, to keep in mind because, you know, it's a simple question, but it really, it's like, who's on the throne? Yeah. And most of the time, we're at least going to be able to mutter the words, oh yeah, Jesus is on the throne. But I think this is what's good is 
very practically speaking, we can look at our hour, you know, get through mm-hmm. your first hour of the day and you can look back and say, okay, who's really on the throne? Yeah. Based off my responses, based off the things I worried about, based off of the way I responded to people, who's on the throne? And if you find yourself, you know, grumbling, disputing, arguing, sort of just negative attitude, the negative perspective on your life, on the outcome of your day, then you're probably sitting on the throne. But yeah. It's probably not Jesus. And yeah. so I do think that as practical and, and you know, we can even say shallow as, you know, disputing and grumbling can can seem like, oh, that's petty. Like, that's just small problems. That really is a, a revealing of your heart. It's a yeah. revealing of where you are in that moment. And I'm reading this book. I'm lying to you. Actually, I'm listening to a book. <laughs> it's an audio book. Look how authentic we're being today. Just kidding. I'm watching the YouTube Actually, video. Actually, I just watched a two-minute video. No, I, but I'm, I'm listening to this audio book about body language and body posture and, yeah. and nonverbal communication. It's so interesting because you don't have to say anything. Like just the way that your body sits in front of someone, the way that you use your facial expressions, the way you use gestures, the way that you posture yourself, be it from a, an open posture with hands. It was really interesting. They talked about the picture of the Last Supper mm-hmm. and how Jesus is shown with both his hands. One of his hands is turned up, palm up, and the other one's turned down, palm down. And this idea that this was actually, you know, Da Vinci, I guess, <laughs> uh, if he actually did it this way on purpose or not. But the idea that on one hand, Jesus is showing the sort of generous open hand of, yeah. you know, here's my life, it's here to share. But then this this lower palm down hand of like this kind of firmness and this groundedness yeah. of like, but here's the authority, like, yeah. hey, here, let me tell you this. It's so interesting as you you see that in this painting, but really it was a picture of Jesus too. It was like, he's living this open-handed, generous life. But at the same time, there's this steadiness about him and this authority about him. And it's funny that all that can be captured in a painting, but that's the truth. I think as you just look at the way you walk into a room, the way that you, when you're sitting across from somebody, the way that your body responds to them, like there's so much that can be said for how you're feeling or how you're thinking about the person you're in a conversation with based off of the way you respond. It's like when someone important walks in, you kind of sit up straight. You give them a lot of eye contact. You don't talk, right? You just listen. And there's this sort of significance, this person that you put on them. And then when it's like your buddy, it's like, eh, whatever. You know, I sit back and goof off. And and then like, the thing is, this kind of goes back to this, like do everything without grumbling. Like the literal way that we choose to respond to people, we choose to speak, that we choose to just not say anything, the nonverbal cues, I think shows a lot about where our heart is in that moment. And, And I've been trying to practice this because I think, this is what helps us. Like you physically, sometimes you have to do things to get yourself yeah. there spiritually. Sometimes it's the other way too. But it's like, if I can just sort of give my attention to whoever's right in front of me, my full attention, turn my shoulders to them, face them, give them eye contact, even just open my hands and, yeah. and just sit there in front of them like that. Like at the very least for me, it says I'm intentionally trying to to be more open with them. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to take in everything that they're they're giving me, yeah. everything they're saying to me. And so I think whether it's body language, whether it's your actual words that you're saying, I just think it's a good filter of as you see yourself, your body, your words, your thoughts in a day, I think you can come back to this verse and say, okay, am I, am I living in this sort of open-handed, positive, generous way? Or do I have some things I'm grumbling about that I need to take care of? Yeah. And so I, what's funny too is there's this... The, I want to cut you off real quick. Yeah, yeah, cut Sorry. me off. So I want to go back to this, the story you're talking about because it, it has everything to do with what you're, what you're saying because those, the disciples 
are arguing with each other about who's going to be sitting with Jesus on the yeah, throne. Yeah, yeah. And if you take a step back, what are they doing in that moment? They're arguing. <laughs> There's, but they're sitting with Jesus. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so they're in this moment where they're, they're literally arguing about what they're going to do and not realizing that they're in that moment right now. Yeah, they're sitting good. with God. And it's kind of that posture of like being angry and not focusing on what's important. They're yeah. on the throne. They want to know where they're going to be. If Jesus was on the throne, they would be focused on him. And I always think about that moment, like later in his life, as Peter's sitting there going, man, I wish during that dinner we would have done something different. Yeah. I wish we would have spent more time talking to him. I yeah. wish we would have had this. And so it's that mindset of like, if you're going to sit there and grumble and be angry about your situation, that you could be missing out on what God really has for you. Yep. Because you're focused on yourself and not him. Yeah. And I think... I think those moments are so important to have. Like you just said, it's okay to look back and say, man, like I messed it up there and, yeah. you know, I wish I would have done this or this and said, I don't think you should get hung up on those, you yeah. know, but but I do think that's the importance of pausing and reflecting and, and even journaling. Like I, I love to look back at, and I'm terrible at journaling, but I love to look back <laughs> at some of the things I wrote or prayed and, and kind of laugh and I'm like, why was I praying for that? That was silly. But yeah. it helps me to inform tomorrow and, and inform even that day of, of mm-hmm. well, here's how I, I wish I would have responded then. So I'm going to go ahead and respond like that now. Yeah. And I think that is good. It's it's good for us to look back at those moments. And like you said, hopefully Peter did. And, and to say, okay, next time this rolls around, like, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. And I love he, that. Yeah. He gets up there. He's not worried about where he's sitting. He's yeah. like, I'm I'm with you again. Exactly. You know? Like that's all he that's cares about. That's what mattered. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So what's, what's funny, like I was saying, Philippians 2, Paul says, okay, like, don't argue, don't do this and that. What's funny is you get over to chapter four and the beginning of chapter four in verse two, he brings up these two people and he says, I urge Iota and I, I urge Syntag, I, I think that's how you said, I'll look it up, uh, to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle and the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Like, it's really funny to me that sometimes we forget that these were real letters to real people yep. dealing with real issues. Yep. And I'm going to get to speak in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to kind of bring up some of the the funny lines that Paul says in some of his other letters because he's kind of harsh. Yeah. He was like, oh, you yeah. fools, you know. But, Just get over it. Yeah, but Philippians <laughs> is like, this is his little love letter. And, and this is really the only, the specific thing that he's like, Hey, I, I urge these two people like live in harmony. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's heard some sort of grumbling has gone on, but I, I think it's funny because two chapters before, however many paragraphs in the the original letter he wrote before, yeah. he's saying, "Hey, let's like do everything without grumbling and arguing." Mm-hmm. And, and I think he writes that to these people who are doing it. But what I love is is he says, "Live in harmony in the Lord and help each other." You've shared in my struggle. Uh, you know, I'm going to share in your struggle and and. I love that idea because it wasn't just a general, hey, stop arguing, stop grumbling. It was like, like no, like we're not arguing and grumbling with each other because we want to live in harmony with each other. Yeah. There's something to be said for even when we do have disputes, like reconciling with each other and yeah. making peace. Mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of love that. It's like a little Easter egg there, you know, in my mind of like, this wasn't just Paul like, okay, let's not argue. Let's not do this. Also go do this. It was like, hey, don't argue and do this. Hey, I've heard you guys had some dispute. Let's live in harmony. Yeah. You know, and I laugh about that because I'm sure as a parent, we're going to be doing that a lot with our kids. <laughs> of like, hey, stop yeah. arguing, stop grumbling. But really it's because like, we want you to live in harmony. Yeah. Because there's greater things that can come when we can work through our problems. We can see our differences and still move forward. In yeah. Them. 
I think kids are a perfect example of that because I think it happens more around like eight or nine. You see two siblings arguing. <laughs> They'll like come to a resolution and I'm doing air quotes here. <laughs> But they're always still just trying to get in the last word at each other. Oh, yeah. As long as the the other one kind of ends it, then they feel good about themselves because they're the ones who, like, I said the last thing. And so, yeah, I'm sorry, but you did this, you know? And I think that's something that we – it's not just a kid issue. It's, we struggle with it as well, but we just come up with more complex ways to express it where we might go, okay, fine, but I'm going to figure out some way to still be angry at you or I'm going to figure out some way to – Maybe get back at you a little bit. And what Jesus is saying here is you just like, let it go. Mm -hmm. Is this worth the relationship that you have with this person? Mm -hmm. And if you look at the Bible and you look at the scriptures, God over and over and over again tells us that the most important thing we have is our relationships. They're our relationship with him, first and foremost, and our relationship with each other. And if you begin to value those relationships that way and understand that it's not about me, it's not about my feelings, mm -hmm. I'm not on the throne, these people, or God is, and I'm going to serve these people, then you you don't have that bitterness within you, even though you've, quote unquote, resolved it. Mm -hmm. So, Paul writes this letter specifically to the Church of Philippi, yeah. uh, to this group of people who seems to be doing well, but it, it is kind of that reminder of like, man, you're going to run into problems. And, yeah. and sometimes they're, they're positive disputes of like, well, hey, we have this problem. Yeah. I think we should solve it this way. Well, I think we should solve it that way. And like, yeah. that's positive. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're, hey, you're not seeing it the way I'm seeing it. And that that's offending me. That's bothering yeah. me. That, that's hurting me. But ultimately, like you just said, like this idea of our relationships, like those don't just end up perfect and never need any maintenance, you know, yeah. it's like this church who's clearly doing well, yeah. you know, they're, they're not bogged down by old religious thinking. Once again, these are people who've been kind of radically saved. It's a, it's a very interesting group. They're mm -hmm. very modern. They're, they're not locked into all these traditions. And, and so Paul's like, yeah, you're doing great, but don't forget this. Like yeah. live in harmony, man, live in harmony, especially uh, like you said, as believers, as family, live in harmony. That's what you're going to prove to the rest of the world with, you know, they'll know we're, we're, we're followers of Jesus by our love. Like we can sing the old song, but like, really, like if there was a single song to sing for this church, it was that it's like, man, the rest of, of the city, the rest of this country is going to know that you're following Jesus mm -hmm. because of the way that you love each other. Yep. And, and it's kind of like his little just sign off of like, don't forget that. Yeah. Live in harmony with one yeah. another. And it needs to be, I think it needs to be said just because it's inevitable. Yeah. Like you can go 99 for 100 living in harmony, but there's always going to be that one time where something's going to slip up. It's going to happen. You're yeah. going to have friction in your relationships. And so you need to be talking about and reminding yourself that you're called to live in that harmony. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the end of this chapter is, it's very specific. I'm going to read just some of these verses so we can kind of get the picture here. Paul obviously tells them, hey, do everything without grumbling. He, you know, he tells them, holding fast the word of life so that the day of Christ will have reason to, be, to glory together. But even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. Uh, you too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Uh, so then this last section here, he says, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him, Timothy, immediately as soon as I see how things go with me. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. 
but I thought it was necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him in the Lord with all the joy and hold men high like him and uh, hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Mm. A lot of words I just read there. <laughs> we got two people. We got Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy is really like one of Paul's disciples. Like yeah. he's following Paul as Paul's following the Lord and, yeah. and he's serving him. But then we've got Epaphroditus over here who at some point, based off Paul's letter here, was sick to the point where he almost died. Yeah. And he almost died in serving Paul and kind of being an ambassador from the church, from you know, the church of Philippi, being their ambassador to Paul. I just love how, once again, how specific this letter gets, <laughs> but there's this line here, receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. This was probably a young guy yeah. who got sick, just trying to help out, trying yeah. to serve Paul, trying to, who knows what he was exactly doing, but like, he's not speaking, he's not teaching. Yeah. He's literally just supporting Paul and his journeys. And I love how Paul says, and we've got it recorded and you know we've put it in the canon that these are the words of the Lord that really the Lord through Paul is saying, like, hold men like him in high regard. This sort of sacrificial way of living, this yeah. humble guy that we never would have known his name if Paul had not wrote it down here. Yeah. But I just love that going back to the first two chapters, one and two, of of what it looks like like to serve, to yeah. live, to, to, to the point of even death. But here's what I like about this is Paul says, hey, I'm sending him back. Like, I want him to be back with y'all. He yeah. misses you guys. He can't wait to see you. He can't wait to show you that, hey, he is alive and well. God's blessed him. God blessed me by healing him and, and making him uh, well again. And I just kind of love this because I think sometimes, at least in my mind, as someone who's been in the church my whole life, been a believer my whole life, that we really are just called to just suffer and life's supposed to be difficult and hard in the name of Jesus and it's just gonna suck and then one day we finally get to die, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and I just kind of grew up under that that weight of that sort of perspective about things. And, yeah. and we talked about this last week, like there is suffering yeah. and there's good things that come from suffering. There, there are these moments that things get difficult and I'm kind of yeah. showing my hand a little bit to <laughs> chapter four in a couple weeks, but like, there's also going to be times where things are good. Yeah. There's going to be times to to slow down. There's going to be times to to meet up again with people and say, "Man, I'm well. Like yeah. it's good to see you." There, there's going to be times to rest. There's going to be times to sleep. There's going to be times when you have everything you need. Yeah, you know. And, and I think it's the gospel is is not a poverty gospel. It's it's not go and put your your head in the mud in, yeah. in the name of Jesus. It's like, yeah, there are times that you're going to live that way, and there's going to be times when you're going to have it all, and we're going to see in a couple of weeks. And Paul says, hey, for me, like, I've done that. I've yeah. had it all. I've had nothing. And I've learned what it really means that that through all, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. And I laughed at Brian's story about the basketball thing, and, <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm going to kind of do a Mythbusters on some of those verses in, in chapter four, I think. But, yeah. but really, like, this is it. It's like, man, like, yeah, like, go serve. Do everything without grumbling. But also, like, we're human. Yeah. Epaphroditus got sick. He almost died. And I had to stop and I had to pray because I could, he says, sorrow upon sorrow. Like Paul's been through it. And he's like, Jesus, not this one. Yeah. Like, please don't, don't let me lose my friend here. Yeah. And, and he's well again. So guess what? He's going to come home for a little bit. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I love the reality of the, the humanity of that. It's yeah. like, 
Even me, Paul is saying, like, sometimes we got to slow down. Yeah. To me, it kind of sounds like, I think it's interesting how he puts him back to back because there's first is Timothy. And with Timothy, he's like, Timothy is like the only one that I feel like is riding with me right now. Like mm. he's serving, he's, he's got the, this heart to, uh, the same heart that I have. And everybody else is just kind of out for their, their own selfishness. Yeah. But I'm also sending you this guy. Yeah. And he's been, he's been sick. And it's this weird, like, Timothy's awesome. This guy's kind of not there yet, but he's been working. He's been serving to the point to where he got sick for Jesus and he's better now. And so he's, he's probably a little, I would say sad. He's probably a little mm. like disheartened. Yeah. You know, he's, he's better now, but he's, he's still not feeling so great about himself. And he's kind of charging the church of Philippi to be this example for him. Like mm. he's been serving. He deserves honor. Yeah. And I'm calling you guys to be the ones who honor him. And by doing that, you're setting the example for him and you're filling him back up. Mm -hmm. And so understand like it's it's like I'm sending Timothy to care for you and I'm sending him so y'all can care for him. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And so that's that's, that's what I picked off it. And so yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And 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 really, like we said too, this this whole book is kind of a, a mirror of itself. It's like chapter one, we're serving others. Chapter two, you know, we we are serving ourselves in our community. We're not grumbling, we're not arguing. You know, here comes a guy who's who's been sick but he's been with me. He's going to come minister to you, minister to him. And then chapter three and four, the next couple of weeks we're going to see too. It, it, it's kind of the same deal. It's like, yeah. man, life's a race. Keep serving others and just finish strong. And you're going to have it all. You're going to have none of it. But once again, you can still do it all through Christ. Like yeah. it, it's really, you know, part one, part two, obviously the same book. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like we said, it so practically ends chapter two right there yeah. of, you know, this very specific story about this guy. Um, but I do, I think it's a, it's a testimony to us of how we think about each other, how we think about not pastors, but just people, people who are ministering, people who are leading. You know, when I, when I think about this piece for Paul, you know, about Epaphroditus, he's been on the road, he's been sick, uh, he's been ministering, I'm sending him back to minister to you guys. He can't wait to see you. Like, I, I think about I think about missionaries. I think about other, you know, kingdom workers who who go out there and they put mm -hmm. it all on the line. And it's like there's such an important time for them to return, for them yeah. to rest. And and I think that's where, you know, it's kind of a deep cut, maybe advanced player move over here of like, let's take those people under our wing. Like, yeah. let's care for them. They're out there doing it too. And, yeah. and sometimes, you know, especially when you think about a missionary, a pioneer who is in a space on their own, yeah. you know, like receive them with joy and honor them and and look for ways, I think, to to bless them. I think about, you know, just older pastors who've poured into me oh, yeah. uh, and into our church. Like those guys, they're as they get older and, and women, as they get older, like take time to honor them, mm -hmm. hold them in high regard and and once again, bless them, call them, listen to them, sit yeah. with them, do all those things. I think it's a it's a good picture of of like you said of what it looks like to hold them in high honor like to to really honor somebody and yeah. I think in that honoring if you're gonna honor someone it takes time it takes mm -hmm. time away from you complaining and grumbling about your own situation yep. once again I just think I think about if we're gonna serve others and Josiah said you know step one is like who's on the throne ask yourself that yeah. and step two I think is here of like how are you honoring and serving someone else yeah. you know and and what does that look like and if you're doing that, the hope is you're in a community that's also doing that for you, yep. that's receiving you and yep. ministering to you. And if not, then 
ask yourself, is that the community you need to be in? Yeah. You know, are those the friends you really need to have if you're not doing this? Yeah. Sometimes, once again, just seem over practical, but really like when you're with your friends, what do you do? Do you complain? Yeah. Do you grumble? Do you gossip? Do you talk negatively about yourself, about other people? Then those people probably aren't honoring you. They're not holding you in high regard. Yeah. You're not holding them in high regard. You're not serving one another. That's probably not the the group to be with. Yeah. It's kind of what I talked about last week where if your goal is to meet the needs of others and you're in a community who everybody else's goal is to meet the needs of others, guess what? You're meeting their needs and they're meeting your needs. Yep. And that's the way I think God called us to live. And, and in those times where we get tired, he sets the example mm. because we can remember, like, and I think this is the one of the most beautiful things about Jesus is understanding where he came from. Like he's on this throne in heaven where there's these things that are constantly praising him and there's nothing that he wants or needs because he is self-sufficient within himself. Mm -hmm. And he leaves that place, chooses to be in a human body, which has aches and pains and shoulder. He was 30s too, <laughs> so he might've had something. To be hungry, to be dirty, to be tired, to be sweaty. And he chose to come here and, and deal with all of these things just to serve us. Mm -hmm. And that's a choice that I don't think a lot of us would make. I think that's similar to having the lottery and just giving it all away. Mm -hmm. Not buying yourself a house first, but giving it all away. Yeah. And so understanding how great he is, and yet his heart is still to serve and honor us, mm -hmm. makes it easy for us to understand how low we are <laughs> and to serve and honor others. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, like Josiah had mentioned, and I think it's good for all of us to read through this. You know, that's mm -hmm. four chapters. You read the whole book in one day and then read it again the next day. But I think read through chapter two and, and even begin to look ahead to week three. The last two chapters I'm, I'm excited about, they're kind of really Paul's last words, you know, as he's imprisoned. And if you really look into this, he's actually under house arrests, which is interesting because it's not well, probably we think of as house arrest, but... Didn't have an ankle monitor? No, but that's the thing. He didn't have an ankle monitor, but he did. So when you're under house arrest in Rome, what they did was actually attach you to a guard. Yeah. And so I read about this deal where basically you had like a six-foot chain attached to a guard. Oh, no and way. They, yeah, no, really. And so, so like an ankle monitor. Yes, literally an ankle <laughs> monitor, exactly. And they would... They would switch that person out, you know, they'd go through their shifts. I think that's so important as you think about the context of whatever letter or book you're reading. Think about these words as this Roman soldier sitting here and then a new Roman soldier sitting there and another yeah. one, like they're just rotating in. And as you get to chapter three and four, like Paul starts talking about, like they're even getting saved here. Yeah. Like these guys who having to be with him, they're hearing him. They're, yeah. they're hearing him as he's writing these letters, as he's talking about them. It's just so interesting to me that and he's going to say, like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, we all say that yeah. in our air-conditioned or right now winter, <laughs> our heated home. And it's like, he's saying that in prison with a guard next to him whose job is to kill him if he tries to escape. Yeah. Like, he's literally waiting. He's yeah. waiting to go to court to be executed. Yeah. Like, But he's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the context in saying those words in that kind of setting is wild to me. Uh, but yeah, anyway, in saying that, as you read through this, think about that. Like the greatest enemy, you know, air quotes to the greatest enemy to the gospel at this point was Rome. It was yeah. uh, this Roman empire. And yet the executors of that empire are attached to Paul. Yeah. Every day he's writing these yeah. words. And to think about the strength and the courage to write it, yes, but also what he chooses to write in this moment yeah. is this love letter. It's like, man, you guys, you're getting it. Mm -hmm. Live in harmony. Don't forget, it's it's a race. Finish strong. Like, there's a part of him that knows this is it. Yeah. And so the tone, I think, is a little bit more 
a little bit more from like a, a kind of a proud grandpa and not so yeah. much of a angry uncle or brother that's like, do better. Um, <laughs> like some of his other letters are, but, but yeah, it's like, this is it. And so the things you see from Philippians one to four, they're the big ones. It's like, here's the big thing to aim at. Philippi, you've been, you know, the church of Philippi, you've been doing this. Yeah. Keep doing this. For us, it's like, when it comes down to it, four chapters summed it all up of the practical way it looks like, you know, to, to follow Jesus do these things. And so yeah. as you read through it, think about that. Think about, you know, if someone was giving you their last words, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. here's my last thing I'll say to you before before I leave, before I leave this job or I, you know, leave the country or I leave this earth. Like, here are the things I would want to say. That's what Paul's writing here. Yeah. And so as you read through those, take them to heart. There can be really practical, like, hey, don't argue and don't grumble. Sure. But then as you see in these last two chapters and these next couple of weeks that we head into, there are kind of these marquee verses to live by yeah. that, it's a race and finish strong. You know, in chapter three, he talks about the, the very knowledge of just knowing Christ. It far surpasses everything else. Everything else in life is rubbish yeah. compared to just knowing the grace, the gospel, the love of Jesus Christ. Like these are huge challenges and invitations, I think, for us to yeah. live up to. But, but yeah, I think just a, a good word and a good encouragement to read that and and to read that in the setting of like, like we don't write love letters in jail. We don't yeah. write love letters when when life is on the line. Yeah. And so Paul's not begging. He's not begging for life. He's not begging for help. He's not saying, get me out of here, send money so I can buy my way out. Yeah. He's actually sending people out. He's like, hey, take take these brothers back. Yeah. They've been doing well. Take them back. He's almost getting rid of everything knowing, like, I'm going to leave this earth with nothing. Yeah. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an interesting. Like I said, it's my favorite letter. But yeah, I'm looking forward to these next couple of weeks as we as we close it out. Yeah. So I like I just like the imagery of it too, just because you know, like it's literally like you couldn't have planned it any better where he's in Rome and you know it's the Bible doesn't show time and so very well. And so Paul's sitting there and you know that Centurion's just like, What are you writing? Mm-hmm. And Paul's like, Let me tell you. Exactly. And it's just this cool scene of how He's writing this thing that's going to influence us thousands of years later. It's meant for this church. And then he's also talking to a Roman about it. And it all comes together and changes the world. And that's why we're sitting here in Dallas, Texas, a part of the world they didn't know existed, Mm -hmm. talking about Jesus. Exactly. You just said it right there. Yeah. That all these moments come back to these one-on-one conversations that Mm -hmm. people had. You know, I, I... I had an opportunity, I know you've done this too, I did FCA for um, for TWU probably a month ago now, um, but they're going through the book of John, and they're like, oh, you, you get John 3. I'm like, oh, good, you know, the just most <laughs> crucial verse of the entire world right here on my shoulders. But what's so funny is like John 3 is Jesus talking in a conversation, I'm sure there's witnesses, but it's a conversation between him and Nicodemus, yeah. between a a... Yes, a religious leader, a scholar, a smart guy, but also someone who was curious and yeah. came to Jesus in the middle of the night, kind of under the the cover of night. And my assumption, they need to see each other, probably sitting by a fire, and they're talking. And mm-hmm. G- Nicodemus is asking questions, Jesus is responding. But like John 3.16, my word, billions of people have heard it. We've yeah. read it. We put it, you know, on billboards. We put it on invite cards to church. Guys wear it on their eye black, on their yeah. eyes, during, you know, football games. Like, it is everywhere. It's mm-hmm. everywhere. And yet the statement Jesus says there was between him and one other guy. Yep. And he just shares the universal truth with him yep. at night to an inquiring mind. Yep. And, and it's like, to me, that's so much more powerful for some reason than 
And I think it's because it's so personal. It's not Jesus, Paul. Like the Bible is not this this like speech being given yeah. from the largest stage. It's not a textbook. No, it's not. It's like pieces of of people strung together to show the image of Jesus and the invitation for us to him. Yep. And I love like what you just said there too, of, of like Paul's writing this and yes, he's writing it to these people. He knows them. He's met them. We're going to see in the last two chapters that they have been the, the most generous church to him, that they've sent gifts and sent people to help him. And, mm-hmm. and so he loves them, but to say these things out loud, to pin these words yeah. with, you know, a soldier sitting there and then another soldier who gets the shift change, like, yep. There's just something to be shown that he's not telling them hate Rome and hate the emperor. Yeah. He's saying continue to love one another, yep. continue to love the world. And and those moments, that just that simple moment in your worst of spots when your enemy has you to somehow love them back and to encourage others to love back, yep. that's huge. And that speaks volumes to that guard, to that mm-hmm. soldier. And I do, I love that. I love how he kind of just, Summarize all that up in that it's one. Literally, moment there. the power of the gospel. Yep, right it's what's there. Changing Paul and it's what changed the world. Yep, and it's like one for one person at a time for all of us. Yep. <laughs> and so they didn't even get this letter. Like the soldiers had got it first. Yeah. <laughs> then they got the letter. Yeah. And yeah, you think they're not reading it? Going, oh yeah. Is he telling them to attack us or something? Exactly. Let's check this out. Exactly. So yeah, he he knows what he was doing. But book of Philippians, give it a read. Yeah, chapter two this week. Next week, we'll be back with chapter three and uh, wrap up the month in chapter four. So it should be a good time. But anyway, thanks for joining us for, for Talk It Out. I want to encourage you to share this and have these conversations, ask some of these same questions for yourself individually, uh, but also, you know, send it to a friend and, and start a conversation up around, around the book of Philippians, especially. It's a good one. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us for Talk It Out. We'll see you next week right back here.